Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. I bet you didn't know that inventing activity by black inventors peaked in 1899, and it has never recovered. Black and Hispanic college graduates patented half the rate of white college graduates. That's just one of the reasons why you need to know about Invent Together. When our patent system gets more diverse, our nation will get stronger and more successful. Find out how you can help diverse inventors and unleash economic opportunity at inventtogether.org. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Meara, Democratic pollster with GBA Strategies. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So we had a week off. Yeah. How was your fourth? It was fun. I love the 4th of July parade at Tacoma Park. Did you go, Richard? Richard, as folks know, is a Tacoma Parkian like myself, and it is just so wonderfully wacky. And the mayor is a pollster, as I think I've mentioned. And as she walked by, she was like, hey, Margie, I was talking to someone about that poll that you're doing in this one state. And like, I was like, I love I love this. And then, um, <laughs> you know, like – all the like political stickers and our kids just fight. They don't know who anybody is. And we're like, don't wear that sticker. We don't, <laughs> we don't support that person. You know, you can wear that <laughs> sticker. And they just like love candy and like rush out for candy. It's just, um, you know, tattoos. And then you had like one of the candidates pass out organic lollipops with her sticker on it. So. You know, because that's the crowd. Anyway, I just love it so wonderfully wacky. And I know that every town has a 4th of July parade, but it's just like such a wacky version of it. And it's like the hometown Americana in like our teeny tiny town. But yet it's Tacoma Park, which is like right next to the D.C. border and like filled with people who work in politics. <laughs> like, it's just, like I just love I love everything about it. So that was my fourth. How about you? Uh, so my friends and I have a tradition of going to the Nationals game on the 4th of July. There seems to always be a Nats game at home during the day on right. July 4th. I love my friends so much that I'm willing to continue participating in this tradition even though – It was 150 degrees. It then. was 150 degrees. I was kind of feeling under the weather the whole like July 4th through the weekend. Luckily, I had lots of soccer to watch, but we don't have to talk about that today. Even though as soon as we finish recording, I have to find a television because it's <laughs> England versus Croatia. Yes. Sorry. Okay. But yeah, so we went to the baseball game. Uh, it was the Red Sox versus the Nationals, which is a problem for my husband because he is a Red Sox fan, grew up in Boston, but now lives in D.C. and has joined the Nats bandwagon. And I told him it was unacceptable for him to wear a Nationals hat and a Red Sox shirt. I told him he had to choose. I think that's right. And he did not. He wore both things. And so did everybody I think that boo him is an everywhere invalid he choice. I mean, I, I don't think any people felt – there were enough real full-on 100 percent Red Sox fans and I don't think anybody was there looking to like pick a fight. But I I would be – I was – I objected to his wardrobe choice. <laughs> I assume that every – right. I assume that like both is not a volunteered option here. Right. So I assume that whenever any team comes to town, D.C., unlike other places, you're going to have a pretty good group of folks who are there for the visiting team just because that's sort of the nature of D.C., right? And Boston, I guess, gets kind of a pass because, like, they got their own kind of culty thing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there are are teams that the Nationals have that, – that there are teams where there are big rivalries. Um, the Nats and the Red Sox don't actually play that often. They right. are not – one is NL, one is AL. Like, so they don't – this is kind of a rarity. So it's it's more like a fun exhibition situation. Right. I mean it, it counts for things. But it, I, I just mean it's not – is not the same as like Yankees-Red Sox or right, something right, like right, that. Right. I think going to – I've gone to a baseball game when it's 150 degrees and it is – it's hard because you're just like sitting there stuck to your seat yep. and it is. And my grim. my most politically incorrect opinion is my opinion about the sport of baseball, <laughs> which I will not state on this show because if I ever run for office, that's the that's the thing. Top of the oppo oh, file. Lucky you to have such an <laughs> innocuous Kristen's thing. feelings on <laughs> baseball. And cut to the oppo books on Margie and the oppo books on Kristen. Like the oppo <laughs> book on Margie gets like wheeled in in some kind of like dolly and the oppo <laughs> <laughs> Kristen is like half a half a 
quote taken out of context about baseball. <laughs> Let, <laughs> we, this is listeners. You should tweet at us if if someone was creating your oppo book. If you got it in your head tomorrow that you were a crazy person and wanted to run for office. Just kidding. It's a very noble thing, and you all should do it, especially if you're young women. But if you decided you were going to run for office, what would be like page number one of your? Oppo book? Like, what's the opinion you hold that you have voiced publicly that just you are on the. It is. This is like confess your unpopular hits. opinion. Yeah. It's, when you get an Oppo book, and I'll say like top hits, you know, and I'll be like, these are the things in case you want to read like all 900 pages, these are the things you want to see. And, uh, but you don't need to tweet that because if it's in your top hits, you probably don't want to put it on, put it on Twitter. Well, I mean, I guess if you want to run for office one day, you wouldn't want to put it on Twitter. Yes. But unless you're it's an, part of your grand inoculation plan. OK. So what what are like, come at me. I already know it. I tweeted it out three hey, years ago. That's how, that's how someone won the White House march. Yes, that's true. true. Uh, so this week's top lines, there is a Supreme Court vacancy. I believe this vacancy occurred five seconds after we taped our episode yes. last week. So it's been a while. Plenty of polling for us to sift through. What do people want to see done with this vacancy? What do people think about the court in general? And then even though there are thousands of issues that the court can deal with, the one that is really in the spotlight right now is Roe versus Wade, because in part that will determine whether or not this Brett Kavanaugh can be confirmed if certain Republican senators defect, etc. So we will discuss all of the different polling out there on Roe versus Wade and the various ways from a polling perspective that you can slice the issue. Uh, Then we'll dive into the midterms. Will this affect the midterms? How are the midterms shaping up? Um, And is there a massive gender gap? Spoiler alert. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Americans are also having fewer babies. Big, big, big survey coming out this week um, with some data about what's behind that shift. And finally, baby, you're a firework. We'll talk about whether Americans looked at fireworks this 4th of July or whether they stayed inside. It's not really no, – spoiler alert. It wasn't really Americans. It was like the, you know, the people who took this poll. Anyway, but we'll get well, – <laughs> like, I, I think our listeners were... know at this point that the last poll of the show it's is garbage not, town. Not, not chosen for methodological rigor. It's garbage town. But first, um, our poll of the week is this Axios poll, Survey Monkey poll um, that bounced around quite a bit. Yesterday, I guess it was yesterday, where there was a Survey Monkey poll in a variety of battleground Senate races to see how what's the state of the battleground in the Senate, and they map them in also places where there are still competitive primaries uh, on the Republican side, whether it's Michigan or Arizona or Wisconsin. They had a variety of different matchups, and. The reason, and so most of these showed Democrats in the lead. There were a couple states where Republicans in the lead. Only in one of the states did, Republic, did the Republican candidate, Marsha Blackburn, have a double-digit lead. In the other states, the Republican had a single-digit lead, Indiana, North Dakota, and Florida, single-digit leads. And then some of the other battleground Senate races, Nevada, Missouri, uh, Ohio, and West Virginia, there were – the Democrat had the lead – and then so, uh, you know, whether these polls are accurate or not is is not really why this isn't poll of the week. But it was because I think the tweet that accompanied the story was like brutal. This is brutal news for Democrats in November or something like really dramatic. And it made folks go all a Twitter on the yes. on the Twitter yesterday. Because one, there is. In all of these battleground polls, you have four that have a Republican up. So, A, that does not spell doom and gloom and disaster for Democrats. Two, and I think this was part of Nate Silver's critique, I think a couple other folks' critique of this, that this is a poll of registered voters. Okay, fine. But we are now approaching Election Day. And so if we are approaching Election Day, when do we start looking at likely voters? And while if this was 2010 or 2014, the likely voter screen would probably nudge the numbers a little more Republican, that is not necessarily the case this year, that the enthusiasm on the Democratic side has has closed that gap, if not made likely voter polls slightly more favorable to Democrats. So at, you're, you're dealing with kind of an incomplete or improper 
frame for for looking at this. So th- I think that's why, like, when I look at this, I do not see, oh, no, Democrats are in danger. I mean, I actually think that, you know, if you are – if you're Joe Manchin, you're probably loving this poll right now. Plus 13D, that's pretty good for him. You know, then it's, it's only being plus two for Claire McCaskill is probably not where she'd like to be, um, you know. Heitkamp and Donnelly losing. Okay, that would really the the best number for Republicans out of all of these is not. I think the Blackburn Bredesen number because that was another one that a bunch of people on Twitter were like, "Baloney!" There's no way that that Marsha Blackburn's up 14. I don't know. I haven't seen any internal polling in that race, but I think the Florida one is the most interesting one because it's kind of an odd situation where it is not that Bill Nelson is not popular, and it is not that Florida is a deeply red state. It's just that Bill Nelson's been around for a long, long, long time and him being this like, you know, kind of mainstream Democrat who can say, hey, I was an astronaut has worked for a while. But Rick Scott has kind of quietly gotten a little more popular in the state. And so for me, the only race in here that sticks out and goes like, huh, that should probably be a little scary for the Democrats is the Florida one. Yeah. So the tweet that went out had a siren, a little siren thing and it said brutal poll democrats senate dream slips away and that was seen as a bit hyperbolic interpretation of these data yeah the the last thing i'll say on this is they have the arizona senate race broken out all right. three different ways i believe we talked on the show a few weeks ago about an arizona poll that had done all three matchups kirsten cinema versus either martha mcsally kelly ward or joe arpeo and as expected, Sheriff Joe continues to be an extremely weak performer. If he wins the primary, it's sort of game over. But the last poll we talked about had McSally and Ward pretty close to one another. Right. This one which, doesn't. And this one doesn't. This one shows that McSally is, by a, a, a slight margin, the more, quote unquote, electable Republican out of the field, which comports more closely with what I think D.C. Republicans who are, do this stuff professionally ex- would expect to see. Right, right. And so in the breakout, and we'll link to all this, I mean, they do have, you know, and again, this is not to criticize the poll because, you know, this poll seems not far off from other public polling. It seems perfectly reasonable whether it should be registered voters totally. or likely voters. You know, we can debate that. I, I think they're all valid ways of sort of examining what's happening right now as long as everybody knows what we're looking at. And they broke out differences by enthusiasm. So Democrats said, self-reported in a lot of these states that they are more enthusiastic about their vote than usual. They're more enthusiastic about the 2018 elections than usual. But there was an additional question about their intent to vote and how whether they were absolutely certain to vote in 2018. And there, there was not much of a partisan difference in that. And so maybe there would be a partisan difference in that in a different midterm that if if you were, were looking at this poll in 2014, we would see that there actually was a partisan difference. And so when Democrats say they're more enthusiastic than usual, they're, you know, these are both true at the same time. Yes, I am, you know, Democrats can say we're more enthusiastic than usual. And so that's now why the intent to vote is similar. Who knows? But they there are two different ways of kind of capturing how people are feeling about voting. And so it's worth looking at. Again, it's not to, it's not about the poll. It's about is this a siren about Dems' chances slipping away or, or not? Well, let's dig into the big, big story that's dominating everything, which is the Supreme Court. Uh, we want to take a look at some polling about how the court has been viewed by people of, of both parties, how that has evolved over time, and then what do people think about the specific vacancy? So first, there's some really interesting data that has come out from Pew Research Center where they for a long time have tracked views on the question of, do you believe the Supreme Court should base its ruling on its understanding of what the Constitution means in current times or meant as was originally written? So, you know, this is something that has been very evenly tied in this poll up until the last time they asked it in 2018, um, where all of a sudden what the Constitution means in current times has come out to a 14-point lead 
over the originalists. There are big partisan gaps on this, as you might imagine. Republicans much more likely to be originalists. Uh, Two-thirds of them say that the Constitution should be interpreted as it was originally written. For Democrats, they're much more in favor of what it means in current times at 78 percent. But among Republicans, three in 10 take this kind of living document view, and that's a big uptick since it looks like 2016 when they did this. They're, they don't label all of the years on the on the x-axis here on this chart. But I mean, it has not just been that Democrats have warmed to the living constitution. It is that mm-hmm. Republicans, while still a significant majority, are kind of originalists. Like that has shrunken even within the party. Right. So the question is, and this is beyond the scope of this question, and there are different ways of capturing how people view the court, which is, you know, are people interpreting this question in the context of where they are now or what they, you know, what approach they think would give them the political results that they want? Or are people looking at it as, you know, their views toward the Constitution and the court and how they should interact sort of in a vacuum? Or can, do we not live in a vacuum? People are answering these questions the way they think makes sense given what they want to see happen. Yeah. Um, There's also the question of are you favorable or unfavorable to the Supreme Court? There were some – and by the way, I deleted the Twitter app off my phone today because I – like by 9.30, I felt my blood pressure going through the roof and I just couldn't take it anymore. So one of the things I saw over the weekend on Twitter was – or not over the weekend. When was the announcement? Monday? Monday. Monday. 9 p.m. Uh, Tuesday, there were some tweets that had come from a uh, a prominent liberal commentator who shall remain nameless, who was – it was sort of like comparing and contrasting their tweets where like it was all of these tweets about like the Supreme Court is so awesome and they've overturned all of these precedents to do all of these great things and how great is it? And then suddenly it was like the Supreme Court is terrible. We should term limit it. We should shrink it. It shouldn't be doing very many things and precedent is everything. It was like, look at how different your views are now. I mean, but that's that. That's all over the place, right? Like people want – people believe precedent should be protected until it's a precedent they don't like and then they don't think precedent right. should be protected. Right. So um, so whether you view the court, the Supreme Court itself favorably I think has a lot to do with how you feel about the makeup of the court and then what are the most recent rulings it's made? Did you right. like them or not like them? So there was a time fairly recently, I believe it was uh, – this must be around the time that Roberts upheld the ACA as a ta- – upheld the individual mandate when that went in front of the Supreme Court. There was only 33 percent of Republicans had a favorable view of the Supreme Court and that has shot up to It could have been also 70. gay marriage. It, uh, that's true. I, I think those were both right around yeah. each other. Like I think there was – it was some – because there was one summer when I was booked on real time and I was just holding my breath every day they would drop rulings that we – like, no, please, it, it, please don't drop any controversial rulings the week that I'm on real time. And of course, they dropped the gay marriage ruling yeah, and that was, was fine. It was right when <laughs> Beckett was born because I was in the hospital the day after – gay marriage ruling. And I was like, you can marry whoever you want. <laughs> like, I, that is my, I've gone insane in the hospital, pledged to you. <laughs> you can live anywhere in the country. <laughs> and so uh, that was 2015. And that is where that 33% number is. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, shoots up to 71% now. Well, for Democrats, it had been up very high in the immediate, you know, time after the the gay marriage ruling has gone back down to 62 percent. But, you know, you can imagine like the, you know, that the court ruling on Citizens United, like suddenly that's something that is a very unpopular ruling. And so, you know, the same court can put out rulings that are both popular and unpopular with the same group of people, although without Kennedy on the court. That's how it used to be. At least that's how it used to be. Um, Now they're just going to go in one direction, which is what our poll that we are releasing literally right now that is going to be live and hopefully it will have um, will be public by the time this uh, comes out where we tested a variety we tested how folks feel about the current court what they wanted to see in the next court what issues were important to them and we'll talk about some of that in a little bit but this sense that the court is could be out of balance it could be thrown out of balance from by Trump's nominee is is something that 
people were very much concerned about. They they really wanted to see a court that maintained balance, that wasn't too political, that, you know, protected a lot of the things that people care about, whether it's Roe or, pre, you know, coverage for pre-existing conditions, keeping special interests out of campaigns. So uh, this sense about balance is – and the worries about the court being too political was very, very salient. So one of the questions that has been asked in the most recent Quinnipiac poll is, A, do you think the Supreme Court is too liberal, too conservative, or about right? Uh, 19% of people think that the court is too liberal. Even most Republicans don't think the Supreme Court these days is too liberal. 38% do, but a majority of Republicans think it's about right. 41% of people overall think the court is about right, and 31% think that it is too conservative. And that includes 59% of Democrats and 29% of independents. So there is a sense that the court is, or at least as it exists now, is a center-to-center-right-ish institution. Mm -hmm. And over time, they've asked this question, and the results seem pretty consistent going all the way back to uh, you know, the result today does not look so different from the result in August of 2007, which was that around the time of Alito? Hmm. I remember John Roberts was 2005 because Maybe. I watched that during my senior semester of college. Like I drank wine and watched C-SPAN in the middle of the day. I was 21. It was fine. Things haven't changed. Huh? <laughs> Don't break the law, kids. Um <laughs> Uh, and then – so then last but not least, they then ask, you know, President Trump has the opportunity to make a nomination to replace Justice Kennedy. Would you like to see him make the court more conservative, more liberal or keep the present balance? 31 percent say more conservative among Republicans. That's almost 7 in 10. Uh, make the court more liberal. 29 percent of people would like Trump to make the court more liberal. That's so cute, you guys. It's not going to happen. Well, uh, you know what? Then again, he could have just nominated like Judge Judy because, I mean, that's the world we live in. Right. There was there was a non-zero probability of that yes. happening. But th so 59 percent of Democrats would like to see the court more liberal. Uh, but the plurality, 35 percent, say keep the balance, keep it as is. And there is a – this is a digression from legal world – but a sort of belief that if if a conservative justice is confirmed, that Roberts will kind of adopt more of the swing votey type right. role as someone who is a defender of the institution, that if all of a sudden half of the country just thinks the Supreme Court is biased and terrible and that like that's that's bad. Uh, and I remember a lunch um, a couple of years ago with someone who had worked with Roberts uh, like long before he was on the Supreme Court, who was a, a progressive liberal scholar or a progressive legal scholar who said, I actually think like he is, you know, what you saw with the ACA ruling when he made the majority to protect the mm -hmm. ACA and stuff that, that in certain cases, if his vote is needed to kind of keep people guessing about what the court will do. He he will be flexible in that way. I don't so, know if that's true. I'm I'm not a legal scholar, but so one of the other things that we found in our poll, and so this was done by Navigator. I should say it was part of our uh, ongoing Navigator work, is that people need more information about all of these explanations. They need more. This is a complicated legal conversation that not all Americans have. The, you know, the backgrounds kind of accessible at their fingertips. So starting with even how many justices there are, we asked an open end, as far as you know, how many justices are there currently in the Supreme Court? And half named could say nine and half said some other number. So like that's the first step. And a third said some kind of even number. So, you know, the, the sense that even explaining that there is a tie, there is a tie-breaking vote and Kennedy himself was off in the tie. Like you have to walk people through a lot of these steps because – and there are other examples which we could talk about or not talk about. But there are a variety of other examples where it's important to make sure people have this kind of background context. Even Citizens United, which you know, folks listening to the show know what Citizens United is. When we say how – do you agree or disagree with how Citizens United was decided? You have over half say, I, you know, I don't know because they're not sure what Citizens United is. When we give some context about this – Here's what it here's what it does here's what it did here's what the case was about. Then you have a lot lower don't know you have a much higher who say they oppose um, the ruling. So you know so there are a variety of places like that. It's important for anybody talking about this or thinking about it to make sure you know you have that give voters some of that context. Are you good with people? 
Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online, so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. So one of the big cases that has been in the news as a result of this change is Roe versus Wade, um, which has been around for since 1973, um, has been precedent. Uh, and so people are wondering, however, you know, with Kennedy on the court, even though he would vote with the conservative justices a fair amount of the time, he was unlikely to be a vote to overturn Roe versus Wade, where conservatives are pretty clear that they think Roe versus Wade was a bad decision and they think that a a well-qualified jurist would agree with them. And so that's kind the of – vice president said it today. Mm-hmm. Um, so the question then is well, where do people stand on this? And this issue is one where you can ask a question about abortion 18 different ways and you'll get a lot of different answers. So if you ask the question, do you believe that abortion is morally acceptable or not? It's one of those things Gallup asks all the time. Majorities of people say it's not morally acceptable. When you ask the question, do you think it should be legal or illegal, people lean towards saying, saying legal. When you ask the question, do you consider yourself pro-life or pro-choice? I believe at last time I saw this data, pro-choice had like a slight lead on that question, on like the late, like which label do you give yourself? Um, But then on the question of do you want to overturn Roe v. Wade, there are pretty clear majorities that say no. Right. And I was curious and I tweeted about this that on any question about overturning a Supreme Court decision, There are a couple little things at play from a survey research perspective that I think are interesting. One is there's something in survey research that is called affirmation bias. It's not a huge deal. but Basically, it's the idea that if a survey respondent doesn't feel strongly about something, they'll kind of lean towards saying yes rather than saying no. Like yes sort of yes or agree or support kind of feels like the default option. And so can pollsters kind of play with that with how they frame questions on things? You know, if you have a like, so let's not even talk about Roe versus Wade. Let's talk about Citizens United. If you want a higher result for overturn Citizens United, would you support or oppose overturning Citizens United? And does that get you a different answer than if you said, would you support or oppose upholding Citizens mm-hmm. United? You're in some sense asking the same thing, mm-hmm. but. And so I was curious, do people ask this in a consistent way? And really, pollsters tend to be all over the place about how they ask. Do you ask? Do you want to uphold? Do you support upholding Roe v. Wade? Would you support overturning Roe v. Wade? Some questions just outright say uphold versus overturn, which in some ways I think is is a better way to frame it because you're not kind of posing a double negative to someone. Mm-hmm. But there are lots of different ways to ask, ask this question. Um, I think w- one challenge from a conservative point of view – well, actually, in a way, the question that I think kind of gets it right is the Kaiser Family Foundation. And I will often have kind of criticisms of some of their question wording. But they say, as you may know, the 1973 Supreme Court case Roe versus Wade established a woman's constitutional right to have an abortion. Would you like to see the Supreme Court overturn its Roe v. Wade decision or not? Yes, would like to see overturned. No, would not like to see overturned. Because it explains – it doesn't just say Roe v. Wade legalized abortion because that's not 100 percent what the case did. And and overturning Roe v. Wade would not make abortion illegal, which is – in some – it would allow certain states to pass laws to make it illegal. Mm -hmm. But it's not as though like the switch flips, the decision is out and abortion is banned across the land. So I like the way this question is worded because it focuses on what the court decided, which is the existence of a right, the discovery that there was a a right in the Constitution, that the word abortion does not appear in the Bill of Rights, but they found that it nonetheless should be counted as existing. Right. Um, I think this question kind of captures that most effectively. I can also see a conservative criticism of this question, which is – but, but I actually just think that it I, – I appreciate that it explains what Roe v. Wade is. So 
I, so I have a few thoughts on all this. So we tested this in the poll that we just released. And just like we did with Citizens United, we did a split as well with Roe v. Wade. And you say, OK, here are some decisions. Tell me, do you agree or disagree with the decision made by the court? And so half heard Roe v. Wade. Now, Roe v. Wade has a lot more sort of name ID than other any other case, right? That's not a surprise. So there you, we had 57 percent agree, 24 percent disagree when half heard Roe v. Wade, which established a woman's constitutional right to have an abortion, just like the question mm-hmm. you were talking about. We didn't actually get that big of a difference in the in the results. So it's 60 agree, 31 disagree. It's, you know, it's kind of the same. I mean, to the extent there's a difference, it's more among Republicans. It's not among Democrats and independents. But it, that they're, that's small. I mean, ultimately, it's pretty it's pretty similar there's a little bit more you know they're basically the same so you know that's be, that's because there's less confusion about what Roe v Wade is cuz so many people have heard of it um and regardless of that question cuz i think a lot of the polling whether it's kaiser or the poll we did and i think there's some other public polls out also yes there's politico morning console poll they said you know a majority hope that the next justice supports abortion rights there are lots of different ways to ask this there's the you know there's the pro choice versus pro life as you mentioned the label which i don't think is a kind of in standard use anymore cuz not everybody uses a label to identify there's more that people want to you're just capturing the label not their actual views right. toward the legality um there's a four way which is legal in all you know almost all cases legal in most legal and hardly any, you know, never legal that's collapsed into two different versions, um, two different uh, polls there. You have a three-way, which Gallup has some sort of three-way that they've been tracking. There are other three ways I've seen where you support it, you oppose it, or you oppose it personally, but you don't feel it's the government's decision. That's like a, a third middle ground. Again, those are all different than asking about the Supreme Court specifically. Uh, but it it's clear to me from most of these different questions that People support the woman's right to have an abortion. I mean that you know there 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 is no I don't see anything in this group here that suggests like well you know it's it's truly all over the place as long if you ask it this way you get one thing if you ask it this way you get another thing. The prevailing sentiment of the country is that women should have the right to have an abortion and that should be a right protected by the Supreme Court. Continue to be protected by the Supreme Court. So that's you know where a lot of this complicate you know this this controversy over what's going to happen next really comes into play because you're talking about moving the court in a direction that's at odds with most Americans. So, you know, and then the the last thing, though, that I'll, I'll say and, and what we found and I think it's worth thinking about, which is, you know, do you have on the Republican side, you know, is the argument, you know, like the abortion's not going to really be illegal. It's, you know, it's legal in lots of states. Like, let's not, you know, it's not going to be, we're not going to overturn Roe. Um, or is the argument, no, Roe was wrongly decided and, you know, Roe should be overturned, which is what the vice president said, which is what you see a lot of Republicans saying. So, you know, depending on how, you know, where that conversation goes, I think matters a lot to folks because there may be some folks who don't think that Roe is going to be overturned or there won't actually be an outcome where um, people think that abortion will be illegal in lots of states. But if you have a conversation where a lot of folks on the right are saying, not just on the left, but on the right saying, yeah, we, you know, let's overturn Roe, then I think it's going to change the conversation considerably because m- most people want to see Roe protected. Well, the other thing that I have not seen any questions to this effect, and I'd be curious if they exist, though I also concede they are probably of extremely limited utility given what you just mentioned about how little people know about the – you know, how many people even know who Justice Kennedy was half a second ago. Oh, wait. You have this data? Well, you get that data. I'll I'll give my my wonk wonk rant of like the question I would love to see, which is the question of in the 1973 case – 60% know who he is. 60% 60% know who he is. OK. Well, you know what? you've. But we put Supreme Court justice. You know, we weren't trying to like – we didn't just put Anthony Kennedy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so – Was he on so, Jersey Shore? <laughs> so I don't want to – I don't want to, you know, before you get too fair excited enough, about people's enough. Supreme Court knowledge. Okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, one thing – and this is – there is – I don't know to what extent this constituency exists – but you can say I oppose Roe versus Wade because I think abortion is wrong and I – you know, whatever. Like there's there's that that view. But there's also this like conservative legal scholar view which can say 
look, I'm not taking a position on whether abortion is morally right or wrong or even whether abortion should be legal or not. My whole point is – and this is where I'd want the, the what I want the question to be to test this sort of conservative legal, you know, hair splitting is that the Supreme Court is supposed to allow the states under the Tenth Amendment to kind of do what they want, unless what the state wants to do is infringing a right that is exists in the Constitution. And since the word abortion is not in the Constitution, and you've had to find it in in the case they call it a penumbra, like they find a shadow of a right to privacy that they then extend, that what they say is the ruling found the existence of a right in a faulty manner and therefore the court has no right to prohibit a state from doing something. So it's like you take abortion totally out of it. You could be like, do you have a right to eat chocolate? And you'd be like, well, the Constitution doesn't say anything about chocolate. So if a state wants to ban chocolate, states should be able to ban chocolate. Like taking the issue of abortion itself out and just asking people about the legal machinations of like when should you declare a right that is not specifically enumerated in words in the constitution i am curious about that right but no one's going to ask it because i'm sure like no because then it just puts you know a zillion other things on the table as well right and you know and and maybe that's maybe that's the goal of some strict constitutionalists to put to relitigate i think this is just my twitter feed has a whole bunch of federalist society types who amuse me but like this is the stuff that they tweet about so i'm curious (laughs) like like, high five emojis (laughs) or whatever they're doing do i do i know all five people in america who like hold this view or not yeah. Um, I mean, that may sound that, you know, I- I'm sure you could find people who when it's it, it without any kind of opposition would say, well, that, you know, well, yeah, it should be in the Constitution. Well, OK, here are here. Here are 25 other things that are not explicitly in the Constitution. Do you want to see those? Right. But they've been rights for or uh, and protected for, you know, decades. Do you want to see them disappear? And people are like, oh, well, that doesn't sound so good. So. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure. That we end up going there as a you know in our debate, but um, but we shall see. I, I I for the record, I I don't think that the super wonky legal theory that like it doesn't matter what you think about abortion, my legal case is what matters. Like I do not think that is what the public debate over this nomination will be fought over. Yeah, I am confident that that is not the case. <laughs> yeah. uh, so will this affect the midterms though? Like what will that debate look like? So you. Was this part of your research looking at to what extent this is going to influence people's votes? No, that was not part of what we looked at. We looked at – I mean, you know, I think that – because obviously it's all still evolving. And our poll was done before the – you know, Trump named his nominee. But, you know, one thing we did – I mean, so there's – but there's other stuff, right? There's this qualitative work that – um that was in the Washington Post. And then there was a few other things that have come out. I mean, will it affect – the midterms, I think it depends. I think one thing to think about, which is what is the nominee going to do if uh, the Trump-Russia investigation somehow makes its way up to the Supreme Court? And what we found in our poll is that there are a lot of folks who respond strongly to thinking that that next nominee should recuse themselves um, so Trump doesn't get to pick his judge and jury on you know, a case that um, – has already led to 23 indictments, five guilty pleas, and a campaign manager in prison. So I think that's also should be co- part of the conversations as, you know, it, uh, this, you know, it is – Roe is obviously for sure a piece of it for a lot of people. It is beyond just Roe. It is about is it becoming – are we – is the court going to become too political? Is it going to take away rights for coverage for preexisting conditions? Is it going to become so political that Trump's own investigation is now going to be decided by people that he – handpicked. Um, the the one caution that I have for folks who are listening who, uh, you know, you are listening because you care a lot about public opinion. The, the one thing that I think people should be cautious of is the idea that, well, public opinion says X, therefore the Supreme Court, if they were doing their jobs right, would be ruling in that direction. And there's a question here from the Quinnipiac poll that came out just before the 4th of July about, this. as you may know, the Supreme Court upheld Trump's travel ban against citizens of five Muslim-majority countries. Do you approve or disapprove of this decision? Now, it's a pretty close result. 49% say approve, 46% say disapprove. But let's say hypothetically this had shown 70% approve 
approve, 30 percent disapprove. I don't think people who view the travel ban as being profoundly un-American, this terrible thing, would go, ah, well, you know what? Public opinion says that the travel ban is accepted. So, gosh, the Supreme Court better not overturn that travel ban, right? Like, So that that is – when it comes to the Supreme Court, that is the limitation of – uh, the public opinion side of things is that you want a president and you want a Congress to be responsive to public opinion because they're supposed to represent your views. But in a way, you don't want the court to be responsive to public opinion. You just want them to read the law. Um, so I think that is that does make polling in some ways more limited as a way of understanding this whole debate. Yeah. No, it's tricky, right? You don't want a court that is like – I mean you want it to follow – the prevailing norms. You don't want it to still be, you know, stuck in a different century with different norms and different values because they're reading the law, you know, or, uh, you know, the precedent. Well, the idea is that the idea is that the, the elected official should be changing the law. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> the, the court shouldn't be forcing it to change that the the elected representatives are the ones that should Fair be enough. responsive to the Fair change. Enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, but, you know, so, so you know, so I, I can, I mean, I can see obviously how this is tricky. I mean, the question is, what does it mean for the midterms? And, I, you know, I think it's still, to go back to your earlier question to me, I think we still don't quite know. Um, it's going to depend on what we learn, how the process evolves. It's going to depend on what we learn about the new nominee. It's going to depend on, you know, how his meetings on, you know, with senators go. It's going to depend on all kinds of things. But it's, it's you know, is it going to matter in a lot of these battleground states? I mean, people are certainly looking at the Democrats in uh, Republican states and states that went for Trump, but held by a Democratic senator. But as we saw in the, at the top of the show, there are states that are held by Republicans where, you know, Democrats are doing well and there are states mm-hmm. held by Yeah, because there's the exit poll finding from the 2016 election that uh, of those people who said that the Supreme Court was the most important factor in their vote, 56 percent of them went to Trump. That the more – it was almost like the more important a factor was, the more important the Supreme Court was to your vote, the more likely you were to lean t- toward Trump. Um, but that's because there was the open seat that like Mitch McConnell, cocaine Mitch, had like held that seat you know, and blocked Merrick Garland – um, from getting the hearing and did not offer advice and consent of the Senate. And so, you know, it was it was in play and it was a factor. If the seat is filled, is it not a factor? And have we just moved on to the next thing? I, I That is an unknowable question. And that's why I was on TV a couple weeks ago – or not a couple weeks ago, a couple days ago. Time is a blur. Uh, and Paul Begala said he would advise any red state Democrat to just oppose the nominee. Like, doesn't matter who it is, just oppose them because no Republicans got punished for opposing Merrick Garland. So, like, his theory is that the same kind of dynamic would hold. And I don't know if I believe that, but, I mean, that's – I think he's right. I don't think Republicans got punished for – politically – Right. For not confirming Merrick Garland. Right, right. And, you know, and then people were floating around this idea that Republicans would want to wait until after November to have the, um, you know, to have, to have the final vote because then it would boost Republican turnout that, as again, as we said at the top of the show, but we've talked about before, is perhaps not as excited this cycle as it's been in past cycles. But if you have a Supreme Court vacancy, clearly on the line, does that change Republicans' excitement about voting? But does it really make Democrats even more excited about voting? I have a feeling we're not going to get to test this theory because I have a feeling they're just going to try to do this sometime in September. I don't think they're going to try to be too cute with it. But that's that's prognosticating that has nothing to do with the polls and yeah. has to do with what I expect cocaine Mitch to do. OK. All right. So let's move on a little bit. So the generic ballot right now is looking better for Democrats than it has been as of late. Um, Things for Democrats looked really good through the end of 2017. Republicans started to close the gap through the spring. Uh, And as recently as, you know, May and June, there was the generic ballot had closed to just a couple of points. Um, But now, according to the Real Clear Politics average, Democrats have a plus 7.3 
margin. President's job approval holding steady at 43.3%. So not a huge amount of change in what's going on with the midterms, but... What do you think Trump's approval is at NATO right now? <laughs> do you think it's 43 or do you think maybe it's a little a little lower than that? We um, should, you know, we should find for next week's show is polling about Trump among people who live in the UK. Mm. That would be really I'm curious. I let's let's I'm add that sure, to next week's show. I'm sure somebody's got it and so you should tweet it tweet it to us. Okay, so should we move on to the New York Times upshot? Yes, yes. So this was the upshot New York Times. They did a poll about the birth rate. So, you know, young adults are having fewer children than their ideal number. They had a lot of they had all these different reasons why. And the number one reason was childcare is too expensive. Um, followed up by want more time for the children I have, worries about the economy, can't afford more children weighted because of financial instability. Those seem all seem fairly related. Want more leisure time, not enough paid family leave or no paid family leave, worry about global instability, et cetera. What did you think of this? Uh, so at first, I was very glad that this poll was done because I think this is a really interesting question. I think there is a misperception that the reason why young people don't have a ton of kids is because I think there was an actual article written about this a couple years ago that like they all want to go have their avocado toast brunch and they're too selfish to want to take care of another living being and all of that, which is kind of – it's garbage nonsense. Um, there's a really good book about this by Jonathan Last, um, who's one of the co-hosts of the Weekly Substandard, that was about – it was called What to Expect When No One's Expecting mm-hmm. and about how there'd been all this talk for so long about overpopulation, but that was actually getting it wrong. The problem was going to be – underpopulation Mm -hmm. and that societies throughout history, when your population starts shrinking, like really bad stuff happens. And if people are not having on average like 2.3 kids, your population shrinks without immigration. And so you get problems. Um, And his book is fascinating because it kind of walks through this idea that like it's not just people who want to go have avocado toast, uh, you know, and like also you can have avocado toast with kids, I believe, Margie. Confirm. Fact check. Totally true. Fact check true. Um, but that you know, he talks about things like the the cost of a car seat, and that like when I was growing up, I mean, I rode in a car seat when I was little, but like I don't think I rode in a car seat till I was twelve. Um, that now, like certain norms right. around safety and expectations for raising kids have made it a lot more expensive yeah. to raise kids, and that's and so yeah, we can say somebody is elected to have fewer kids. It's because of things beyond their control that they yep. did not elect to have. Yep. So how do you create a society that's more family friendly, that is more supportive of people that do want to have a lot of kids? My biggest problem with this study, so all of these things they mentioned, struggle with work-life balance. A third of people don't want to have more kids because they're worried about climate change. Okay. Don't think I'm a good parent. I was actually surprised was only at 13. I, know. I wonder it's if it's higher on the next one. Th- is the next one among people who have not yeah. didn't want children or weren't sure? Yeah, then wouldn't be a good parent is a little bit higher. A quarter said it on, Which, on that one. Sure. If you had asked me 10 years ago, Kristen, when are you going to have kids? I'd be like, well, talk to me once I keep my IKEA bamboo alive. Right, like, right. Then we can yeah. have that conversation. <laughs> yeah. um, but there's a big glaring thing missing from this in my view, and that is infertility, that all of these things are about the choice to have fewer children. And when I say choice, again, a child childcare being too expensive is in many ways not is not a choice, right. right? So I don't mean that these are all people just sort of making decisions on a whim. But like there are certain things that just you – there are some people that are just biologically it, it can't happen. And you know, you read that there's like one in six couples go through this, and yet that's not something that's on here. It's so I found that such an obvious yeah. omission as well. And so, I, and I I know it's not a thing that is talked about a lot. And so maybe the people f- who wrote this survey do not hang out and with women in downtown Washington D.C. I can tell you that because <laughs> the ladies in my circle that would, if they were writing the survey, would have been a lot high. It would have been on the list certainly before. I mean, in my circles, it would be higher than time. yeah than worried about climate change. But that maybe that's again because well. the circles I, I roll in. <laughs> um, but we had a whole float about that. That's a good part. <laughs> <laughs> Parade. But is that a reason why people aren't having yeah. kids? Well, apparently a third yes. of them. But yeah, that was – it was the one thing where I, I just thought 
man, like that, that this is a missed opportunity because you could have seen where this where this stacks up in this yeah. in this order. or even like medical, con- you know, like any other sort of medical, you know, condition or medical reasoning is not on this list. Right. So. Right. So uh, we have notes, a note to our dear friends at Morning Consult. Yeah. We love you. But next time, we'd love to see that added as an yes. option. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Last but not least, fireworks. Were there fireworks at the Tacoma Park so celebrations? So there are fireworks at the local middle school. I have only made it once because the fun thing that I did mention about the Tacoma Park Fourth of July is then like there are parties all over town and, you know, the kids sort of all run kind of feral in the neighborhood even more than usual, which is saying something. And then there's a uh, – Firework display at the middle school, which you can walk to, and I, you know, obviously get invited to people's like townhouse rooftops in DC. I'm definitely not going to make it there. I've only made it once to the middle school, which is like a 15 minute walk from my house, just because it's like nobody has the capacity at that time. So last year I made it. This year I did not make it. Um, but it is, you know, it's legit. I mean, you know, it's close. There's not. It's very low bar. You don't need to like park and drive around and everything. But it is, it is a fun thing. And so I don't – but it's not a guarantee that you go. I guess it's like it's not for everybody to go see the fireworks. So we need to just uh, confirm for a second. This poll is the NBC 25 News. Where is NBC 25? I don't know. It, I, when I saw and, the link – Oh, it, this looks like Michigan? Minneapolis, St. Paul? There are 25 votes in this poll. So yeah. we're, we're – this is just an excuse for us to talk about fireworks. This is <laughs> – according to this poll, did you make it out to see the fireworks? 48 percent of people, an N of 13, said yes. 33 <laughs> percent said no, I missed them. 19 percent said I don't like fireworks. Also, seems as though those are not mutually exclusive choices. You cannot like fireworks and also <laughs> – not choose to see fireworks. Um, I live in D.C. and I had it in my head that I could run out the front door of my house when the Capitol Fourth one started going off. Like, oh, I'll look down the main thoroughfare and I'll be able to see right to the mall and it'll be great. It's not how it works because there's trees. So I I did not – but being in the city is an adventure because throughout the night are like – Loud booms and oh, explosions. Yeah, yeah. When we lived in Pops, Washington, there like, was just sparklers. I mean, like the whole like the whole city is on fire. It's incre- It's crazy. It's well, one park we don't do. We don't like set fire in our own neighborhood. I have questions about that. the legality. Not in part, not because I I want it to be banned, but if it's not actually banned, like. I want to set some off in my own backyard. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think it's banned. But not enforced. Because you love freedom. I don't know. Freedom. I do love freedom. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so now key findings because I have to jump um, and I just have one. And so if you want fireworks, the Supreme Court debate that's about to happen, it has you covered. You can find us on Twitter at, at the Pollsters, individually at, at Margie O'Mero and at K. Soltis Anderson. Find us at www.thepolsters.com and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks.